the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, brought to you today by our friends over at Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar. Listen, guys, I've had some of these already, uh, especially the mint chocolate cream one. Very delicious. It's not one of those products. It's not one of those protein bars where it tastes bad and you got to either force yourself to eat it or drink some water. This is actual chocolate. They made these bars with actual chocolate, so they taste great. Uh, no aftertaste, uh, none of that bad stuff. It's a great tasting bar. It's low calories, uh, high protein, low sugar, uh, just a great combination and a great tasting bar. Very healthy, very tasty. Anything you could want for, anything you could ask for uh, in this built bar and, and in your protein bar. And if you want to try one of these bars for yourself, because they got a lot of great flavors like um, peanut butter, uh Coconut almond, toffee, all different kinds of flavors. If you want to try some for yourself, just go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you get $10 off your first box. So again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON gets you $10 off your first box. So thank you to BuiltBar for your support this month with the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you guys are having a good week. I know I've been having a great week rolling through these uh, division crossovers this week as we've been wading through the AFC West. Monday, of course, we talked with David of Locked On Chargers. Yesterday was a great conversation with Q of Locked On Raiders. Today is another one I've been looking forward to. Listen, I've been looking forward to all these division crossovers this week because this is my fourth season now covering the Panthers and being on this podcast. And, you know, obviously we've been doing these crossovers all these years, but obviously the way the schedule's shaken out over these last couple years, the only division left that I've not done crossovers yet with is this one, the AFC West. So I was definitely looking forward to this one, and it's been great so far. And today was no different. It was Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos. We had a great conversation, uh, got some good info on the Broncos, talked about Garrett Bowles and him getting his fifth-year option declined and what the future of the left tackle position might be in Denver. Uh, We talked about the top of the draft for the Broncos as well and how that kind of came to be a dream scenario for the Broncos where they didn't have to move up at all in the draft. Remember, uh, there was all that talk that we thought they'd move up for a draft or for a wide receiver. They were able to sit at 15 and have their choice between Jerry Judy and C.D. Lance. So we talked about Judy and we talked about K.J. Hamler in the second round and how those two guys are going to fit in with Cortland Sutton. Um, it's definitely a matchup I'm looking forward to. Uh, and it was a great conversation with Cody. And then uh, tomorrow, it's myself and Ryan Tracy as we talk about the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So lots to look forward to this week. And then, of course, Friday, uh, we'll have some good, good good content as well as we'll talk about the schedule. We'll, of course, have, because uh, remember, Thursday night is the night that the Panthers and the rest of the NFL will learn their temporary regular season schedule. Let's let's remember, let's be cautious and call these games and call the schedule temporary because we don't know if we're going to have 
a, a full 17-week schedule just yet uh, due to this pandemic. I'm hopeful, I'm definitely cautiously optimistic is the word I'm using, that this is going to be a, a full 17-week schedule. Uh, so we'll see. And again, as a reminder, of course, we're waiting through the AFC West because that's the schedule that the Panthers have. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the other full division outside of the NFC South that the Panthers have on their schedule, that being the NFC North. The Panthers, of course, are home against the Bears and the Lions this year, and they will visit the Packers and the Vikings. And then, of course, their other two games are home against the Cardinals and then on the road against Ron Rivera and the Redskins. So, again, by Thursday night, we will have the schedule, and we'll talk about it on Friday. But for now, here's my conversation with Cody Rourke as we do the crossover for the Panthers and the Broncos. Ladies and gentlemen, we're continuing to cross over here with the NFC South. It's AFC West versus NFC South, a preview of the matchups that you guys are going to see in the 2020 season. And today we're talking Broncos, we are talking Panthers with Bill Rossetti of the Locked On Panthers podcast. And Bill, a lot of questions, my friend. Now look at the offseason. Now there's some history between the Broncos and the Panthers. The last time these two teams met, it was 2016. The season opener after Super Bowl 50, Carolina came back, and they were a lot tougher in uh, 2016 for this matchup. They were hungry. They were fired up. And the Broncos had just lost Peyton Manning. They still the same defense. But Cam Newton, he came back with a vengeance, and you really made the game interesting. I mean, he dominated in an aspect. Uh, he continued to dab on the Broncos. And uh, it was kind of frustrating for Broncos players at the time, but Graham Gano obviously shanks the kick left, and, and so the Broncos were able to escape with a win. But a lot of history between these two teams. They're going to meet once again in 2020, and I want to start things off here. Really, the perception of the Panthers after they fired Ron Rivera indicated that they would be a complete team rebuild. However, in my opinion, the hiring of Matt Rule, I think, indicates otherwise. So what are your early thoughts here in the offseason of the hiring of Rule and maybe what he's going to bring to the table for this Carolina Panthers franchise? Yeah, and, you know, first off, great to be working with here, Cody. Very excited to do this. Um Listen, I, I've loved the Matt Rule hiring since the beginning. I've always thought when this whole coaching search was going on, uh, Matt Rule was definitely one of the guys. I felt it was either going to be Matt Rule or it was going to be uh, Eric Bieniemy. And Matt Rule, to me, has is the perfect choice for this rebuild, right? Because we've seen him go to two different colleges. He went to Temple. He went to Baylor. Basically, they were kind of like doormats of the college football world at the time that he took over those programs, right? And in a short amount of time, he leads both those schools from double-digit losses to double-digit wins. Now, obviously, this is a different challenge because this is the NFL, but I think Matt Rule just brings that winning mentality and and just such a positive attitude. You know, I I got to talk to him a little bit, uh, even down at the Senior Bowl, and the the guy's just ready to go. You know, he he loves – he loves being out here. He, he's so excited. Um, and, and even the staff that he brought in, you know, I asked real quick about Joe Brady, and Joe Brady was his guy right from the start. He's who he wanted, and so he was so happy to, to bring in Joe Brady. And, and I think, you know, just that, uh, just that attitude that he has is going to trickle over to the rest of the team. So, you know, in terms of the rebuild, I've been kind of touting this as like a rebuild slash retool because, you know, one day it feels like they have a rebuilding plan, but then the next day with whoever they may be signing in free agency, it feels like it's kind of a, a retool, right? So it, it's hard to say kind of on, on a given day what direction this team was really going in. But 
ultimately, I think there is a plan. I've always said I think this is you know going to take a couple years because they have a lot of young talent, and until they all kind of gel together, you know, it's going to be a rough stretch this year. But I think over time, like say by 22, I think this team is definitely going to be back into contention under Matt Rule. Well, you you know, you talk about there the offseason. My first wonder is quarterback. What's going to happen? Cam Newton out in Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater, he's in. We saw Teddy play well last year in the NFC South when Drew Brees was out. You know, with the type of offense that Rule and Brady, they're going to implement in Carolina. Do you believe that Bridgewater will be successful uh, in Carolina? I, you know, like I said, you know, at one point he was a starting quarterback before suffering that very bad leg injury at practice for the Minnesota Vikings. We know what Teddy Bridgewater could bring to the table when healthy. And look, he looked good feeling for Drew Brees. I think everybody was worried about the Saints at that point. And obviously you guys as being in the same division, probably were monitoring that situation with Brees out. How can the Panthers rise up a little bit? You know, what are your thoughts? Obviously, replacing Cam Newton, it's kind of a big shock right now that he's not in the NFL. He doesn't have a team right now. And Andy Dalton just got signed to the Cowboys. I figured we would have seen Cam Newton on an NFL team by now. But, you know, obviously, quick thoughts on Cam Newton. And then, obviously, what are your thoughts really on Teddy Bridgewater coming in and being the guy? Yeah, I'm full, I fully agree with you, Cody. It, it definitely is a surprise that Cam Newton still isn't. And you mentioned Andy Dalton. I mean, the guy – gets released by the Bengals, and then it feels like almost immediately uh, gets signed by the Cowboys, while Cam Newton has been gone for a couple of weeks now. And, you know, I get the health issues, and obviously it's tough for them, for teams to maybe get like a full health analysis, I guess we'll say, you know, for lack, lack of a better term, uh, because of the pandemic going on. But, um, you know, when Cam wanted starter money, he's obviously not going to get it now because there's really not any teams that are looking for a starter. A lot of those positions were kind of filled via the draft. So it is surprising, but I get why Cam Newton is still a free agent. Um, But in terms of Teddy Bridgewater, look, I've been a huge Teddy Bridgewater fan myself um, ever since he had that fallen draft, and I've been rooting for him since then, and then coming back from the injury. And then it makes sense because he reunites with Joe Brady because they spent 2018 together with the Saints. So he kind of has an understanding already of the system, and the Panthers went out and they – brought in talent for Teddy Bridgewater uh, in free agency. They, you know, they felt like about half their free agency moves were at the wide receiver position. They get Robbie Anderson from the Jets. They bring in uh, Farrell Cooper, Seth Roberts, you know, a host of guys that, you know, aren't household names, but in in the right role, they can, you know, be, be kind of productive. And Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is, you know, a, a perfect guy to – Keep this, keep the ship afloat for now. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's because um, everyone's worrying about, like, you know, oh, is this team going to tank? Well, I, I think it's hard to really tank. I mean, if the Miami Dolphins couldn't do it last year, then it's, uh, it, it's really difficult, in my opinion, to actually tank. I think this team is going to be pretty competitive, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to do a good job leading this team. And I mean, it certainly helps that he has a guy like Christian McCaffrey behind him. Um, you know, the big worry right now is the offensive line because, um, you know, what's going to happen in the interior of the offensive line? They've added some pieces um, recently. You know, they just signed Michael Schofield to likely play right guard, but there's still questions at the center position. There's still questions at uh, the other guard position. Um, but overall, I like the direction they're going. And it's not – they haven't totally committed themselves to Teddy Bridgewater, right? It was a three-year contract, but I think they can get out of it after two. So it's kind of a, you know, they can see what they have, let Teddy run the show, but they're still in a position where maybe next year in the draft uh, they can go out and get a, a future starter.
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. You know, the NFC South is a very tough division overall. You know, as you mentioned, I think from a secondary perspective, I like to take a look from a defensive coordinator standpoint. You know, I look at Robbie Anderson. I look at DJ Moore, Seth Roberts, Curtis Samuel. You know, there's some trade rumors going on with Curtis Samuel. You know, but I think overall that wide receiver unit will be pretty solid. But my biggest question right now on the offensive side of the ball is the tight end position. Who is going to replace Greg Olson and obviously the impact and the leadership that he's had there for quite some time? Yeah, you know, it was pretty telling, too, that they uh, they didn't draft a tight end. I thought that would have been a position maybe they targeted even, say, on day three. Um, obviously, they didn't. So maybe they have some confidence in uh, Ian Thomas, who you like the potential he has. You like some of the stuff he's flashed over his first two years, but he hasn't been consistent. He, he'll, he'll show up for you one week. Um, but then disappear for like a week or two. So they've got to implement him more. And I think the nice thing about having Joe Brady now as offensive coordinator is, you know, you, you look what he did at LSU, and obviously they had a ton of talent, but they were even able to get some production out of the tight end position. They had Stephen Sullivan. They had uh, Thaddeus Moss. You know, they were able to make kind of very decent players out of those two. So why not th- the same result with Ian Thomas? And like I said, there's really not much competition behind them. They brought in a couple of guys via, uh, you know, after the draft as uh, undrafted rookies, but there doesn't really feel like there's anyone right now that's going to challenge Ian Thomas right now for that number one spot. So uh, for now, this is his spot to lose. And again, I think it's just a matter of being more consistent uh, in this offense. If he can do that, I think he can still turn into a pretty good weapon in this offense. Well, you know, the offensive side of the ball for the Panthers, it seems pretty solid right now on paper, and you look at the extension of Christian McCaffrey, highest-paid running back in the National Football League. Uh, but an area that I'm wondering about is this Panthers defense. We saw the Panthers load up on defense in the NFL draft, obviously some very good acquisitions there. Uh, but obviously I think the biggest loss for the Panthers this offseason, Luke Keekley retiring, uh, you know, that's going to be big for the team. It's going to be big for the NFL because Luke Keekley is one of those guys that you just love watching play. You have so much respect for him all across the board. You know, what has the team done to address the middle linebacker position. Yeah, you know, they, they went out and um, they addressed the linebacker position a little bit in free agency. They brought in Tiger Whitehead, and they still have some guys that have been on the team before that, um, you know, still have a little bit of potential. Uh, Jermaine Carter, I think, is definitely one name to watch. You know, uh, Carter has, has had always been kind of the backup to Luke Keekley. Um, I think now with Keekley being out, this could be kind of his time to shine. Uh, but Shaq Thompson is definitely going to have to continue to step up and really become the the leader of this defense. And, you know, we know how versatile Shaq Thompson is. He's, he's very athletic, and they gave him a big contract as well. So th- this is kind of his show. But I'm I'm really intrigued what they do with Jermaine Carter. Uh, I, like I said, I like his potential. I think, he, uh, I think he has the ability to step in and be a solid middle linebacker. You know, he was uh, a really good linebacker in Maryland. He was a team captain. Um, so he can go out. He can make plays for you. And – because of the way they address the uh, the defensive line in this draft, is definitely going to help a guy like Jermaine Carter as well. Because now, um, we hopefully the, the team doesn't have to worry as much about the the interior defensive line and getting shredded like they did last year, which should be able to open things up for Jermaine Carter, for uh, Shaq Thompson and and Tyre Whitehead or whoever. However, they mix things up because I think they're going to really kind of mix things up. You might see some four man fronts, you might see some three man fronts. 
uh, nickel. I think they have a, a lot of flexibility, especially with the, the personnel that they brought in. So, uh, yeah, that linebacker position is going to be uh, really intriguing to watch. But, like I said, the, the help they got at the defensive front should uh, take some of the pressure off – off a guy, especially like Carter, because obviously, you know, these are big, big shoes to fill. No one's going to be like Luke Keekley. Uh, you just hope to patch that hole as best you can, I guess is the best way to say it. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parsons for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys and gals, start the competition today with the people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for the month of May. Then, any time in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or the book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alka Joshi, A L K A J O S H I. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So, guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target, and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. All right, we're here. Myself, Cody Rourke, continuing on with the Broncos-Panthers crossover. Uh, very excited to be here with you, Cody. And um, I tell you what, man, this, uh, this Broncos team is very intriguing to me going into this season. You know, it's, uh, there's been a lot of talk about this is a sleeper team. You know, this is building into uh, a playoff contender, especially now that we have the, the extra wild card. And I like some of the moves that they made uh, this, this offseason. You know, I'll, I'll start on the draft because um, one of the more interesting picks I think they made was in the second round. Obviously, they took uh, Jerry Judy in the first round. But I want to start first with K.J. Hamler. Um, so I guess – this is kind of a two-part question. One, your thoughts on them getting K.J. Hamler and how he fits in this offense, and two, the fact that they double-dipped with their first two picks at the wide receiver position. Well, you know, I think it was a shock to a lot of people in Broncos country, them going wide receiver in two consecutive, you know, picks in first and second round. Uh, you know, Jerry Judy was obviously, in my opinion, I think it was a home run pickup for them in round number one. He's phenomenal, uh, the best route runner in last year's NFL draft. And then you look at K.J. Hamler. We didn't get to see too much of him at the NFL scouting combine. He pulled his hamstring right before uh, being able to do the on-field drills. So there was really kind of a, a question mark about K.J. Hamler. You know, a lot of people thought uh, that the Broncos were going to go maybe offensive line with their second-round pick. Well, when they went K.J. Hamler, we found out that Vic Fangio was the main benefactor in pushing for K.J. Hamler to be on the Broncos in round number two. And he says he viewed it through the lens of a defensive coordinator. For him, he looks at players that give him a headache when trying to figure out, how am I going to stop this guy? How am I going to slow him down? So K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, you factor in those two pickups, 
the Broncos add those guys in in the same lineup with Cortland Sutton, and that's a scary-looking offense on paper. You're going to see Jerry Judy. He can line up inside or outside. But I think primarily you're going to see K.J. Hamler with his speed in the slot. That, to me, is going to be crazy. Now, one of the things he does really well is his speed creates separation. And Jerry Judy, his route running creates separation. So you have a great route runner, you have speed, and then you have size with Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. That, to me, right there, gives the Broncos a lot of options for young quarterback Drew Locke to be able to look at. So uh, in terms of that, I think it was a great uh, first two picks for the Broncos. Uh, at, at first, a lot of Broncos fans were upset because they didn't get offensive line. They didn't draft a tackle. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't think they could have done a better job here, and I think that with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, uh, speed kills, and the Broncos have added some real true weapons to this offense. Absolutely. Speed definitely kills. And, um, you know, being a Penn Stater, I'm obviously a big fan of KJ Hamler. So I think you guys are definitely getting a great one. And then even with that Jerry Judy pick, I mean, I, you guys had to have been happy. Obviously, you know, a lot of the talk going into the draft was, are they going to look wide receiver first round? And all of a sudden, here they are sitting at 15. They don't have to move up. And Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are, are both on the board. Was this kind of a dream scenario for the Broncos at 15? Yeah, you know, I think the way that it fell, I mean, so many mock drafts, I mean, everybody was talking about, and this is why I always go back to saying, like, even, us, you know, as analysts, sometimes we're wrong. You know, we anticipated the Broncos were going to try to trade up for a Henry Ruggs. They didn't do that. And so for CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Jew to be available at 15, I tell you what, is crazy considering that teams like maybe New York, we were looking at them as possibly adding a receiver. We were looking at the Cardinals possibly adding a receiver or Jacksonville after they had released Marquise Lee looking at a wide receiver. And then we knew that the Raiders are going to go wide receiver. And we thought that the San Francisco 49ers were going to go that same exact route. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. So I think it was a dream scenario, really, for the Broncos. Jerry Judy was the number one wide receiver on their board, according to John Elway and Vic Fangio. So they got the guy that they wanted. And I, I think it fell perfectly because they didn't have to give up any capital whatsoever to be able to get a guy that they feel is going to contribute for many years. Yeah, and I was one of those guys, too. I had them, uh, I think, actually making the trade with the Panthers, ironically, in my final mock, uh, getting Henry Ruggs. But, yeah, it worked out absolutely great for them. Um, recent news that just dropped with the Broncos, you know, we'll, t we'll touch on the offensive line now since we're talking about the offense and, of course, protecting Drew Locke. Uh, they decide to decline the option on Garrett Bowles, which doesn't seem like much of a surprise because Bowles had kind of – he seemed like he had a really good rookie year, but it seems like – you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like he kind of tailed off after at least dipped ever, ever since that rookie season. Uh, what were your thoughts on Bowles and, you know, what what's the future of him going forward? What could they do with that left tackle position going forward after this year? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. You know, I think when I look at it, you know, he had a really good rookie year, in my opinion, obviously being a first-round pick. The expectations are always high. If you're if you're an offensive lineman or even if you're a first-round player in general, uh, if you're drafted in the first round, the expectations are always high. Uh, you know, for Garrett Bowles, you know, he didn't have as much time when he was drafted with experience with football. You know, his football experience was very limited. So it was always going to be a project, in my opinion, with Bowles. So you go in year to year to year. You go into 2017. You go to 2018. The biggest frustration that Broncos fans have had and I'd say that the most glaring need for his game to improve on is just discipline. He's, he's had a lot of holding penalties. Um, he's had, you know, a lot of errors in his technique. But one thing I do like about Garrett Bowles is he does not really allow for his quarterback to be hit consistently. And if he does, he tries to come back and, bold, you know, try to bulldoze the guy. I've been a big supporter of Garrett Bowles. Now, them declining the fifth-year option is not a surprise to me. You know, it saves the Broncos from having to pay out $11 million guaranteed. And if he were to get injured, they'd still have to pay that. So they're really off the books for that. 
that. And so he will become an unrestricted free agent in 2021, but a lot of Broncos fans are viewing it as, okay, well, Garrett Bowles is going to be exiting. If he plays really well in 2020, he puts himself in line for a potential contract extension. So the fifth year, the, the declining of the fifth year option doesn't mean for the Broncos that they're going to part ways with him. It means that, you know, it's a possibility, but it's also possible that they extend him. And look, we saw him grow extensively under Mike Munchak, arguably the best offensive line coach in NFL history. I mean, he's, he's very good at getting his guys and his units to improve. And so when I look at the overall product of Garrett Bowles, he improved last year. Uh, you know, he had a couple times where he slept back, but, you know, I think the Offensive linemen take time to develop. A lot of people are considering. The Broncos, since Garibalds has been drafted, they've had a different offensive line coach every single year except for this year. So they had Mike Munchak last year. He's coming back this year. This is the first time in Garibalds' career he actually has stability at his position coach's uh, tenure on the team. So I think that's something to factor into it as well. Yeah, a great point. And, you know, good point on the fifth-year option too because this is the last year that these options are – only guaranteed for injury, right? Once we get to next year with the new CBA, you kick in that fifth-year option, that money is immediately guaranteed. So these 2018 first-round picks, are, I think, are going to be uh, very interesting to take a look at. But, um, you know, flipping over to the defense then, too, um, obviously they lost Chris Harrison free agency to the Chargers, but um, they get a pretty intriguing cornerback option in the draft, and I wanted to get your thoughts on him and how he kind of fits in and, and you know, how good the secondary is still going to be when the Panthers face him. That's, uh, and I always screw up this name, Michael Ojemudia of uh, Iowa. Yeah, you actually got it. You, you pretty much got it. You know, it's O.J. Mudia, and a lot of people were, you know, even myself, when they drafted him, I was like, how do I pronounce that? Who is this guy? <laughs> now, leading up to the NFL draft, I, I to be honest with you, I, I feel very bad I didn't do enough coverage on Michael O.J. Mudia or anybody from Iowa because – we were focused in Broncos country so much on cornerbacks Bryce Hall from Virginia. We were focused on Louisiana Tech's Amik Robertson. And so we really factored in that those were going to be the two targets for the Broncos. They end up going Michael O.J. Moody. So going back and doing a tape study and film review on him and looking at his play at Iowa, he is a smart cornerback. The Broncos run a lot of zone coverage, and he's a zone cover corner. Um, he's smart. He's instinctual. He's a surefire tackler, which is a criteria Vic Fangio wants his cornerbacks to have. And the thing I see about him, too, he has a lot of upside. He still has a lot of room to develop and mold into something very special. I believe that at training camp, you're going to see a competition between him, Devontae Bosby, and Isaac Adam for that other outside cornerback spot, the counterpart of A.J. Boye, who's going to play on the field side as the team's number one cornerback. Bryce Callahan, the hope is that he's fully healthy. He's on track right now to be fully healthy for training camp, and he's going to play in the slot primarily for this Broncos team with the outline of what they have right now. So, uh, you know, like I said, this secondary right now with Justin Simmons coming back, the Broncos looking to lock him up on a five-year deal by the July 15th deadline. That's something that they're in active contract negotiations as we speak. And then you look at Kareem Jackson as well coming back. Had an impactful year at the strong safety position. you got young guys like Trey Marshall behind him. And so I think for the Broncos, you know, it's going to be a – Fun secondary to watch. You know, obviously, replacing Chris Harris Jr., you're wondering how that's going to be. Uh, but A.J. Boy, in my opinion, is a very talented player with a lot of upside. Absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, great pickup there uh, via the trade and, uh, you know, free fall for the Jaguars, as it were. Um, I guess we'll kind of wrap it up on here because the, uh, the Panthers now have, um, you know, I did mention Michael Schofield coming over from the Chargers, but he did spend three years with the Broncos, was a starter on that Super Bowl 50 team. So going back to those three years and even, you know, following, because you obviously kept an eye on him a bit, uh, being with a division rival in the Chargers, what are the Panthers getting in Michael Schofield? 
That's an interesting question because his time in Denver, look, there was a time where he played tackle for the Broncos, and it was in that Super Bowl season in 2015. And, uh, you know, I think for Schofield, he struggled at the tackle position. I think he's better, more suited at guard where likely he's going to play there. I mean, you guys did get Russell Okung back. You know, he's going to be a Carolina Panther, former Broncos as well. So there's some ties there. Uh, but for Michael Schofield, he benefited a lot more and saw so much more consistency once he moved to the interior position. I think when he was with the Broncos, he did, there wasn't a lot of depth at the tackle position, so he had to play at the right tackle spot. He ended up doing very well, in my opinion. You know, he played pretty well in Super Bowl 50. It was tough going against that defense, so that defensive front was nasty with those two backers and Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, you know, in that secondary, I think you look at it, it's probably like the probably the weaker link outside of Josh Norman in 2015. Uh, the safeties, they were just too slow for what the Broncos had, but that defensive line, the linebackers made it hell for Peyton Manning. And so I think for Michael Schofield, he's been battle tested. He's gone against some of the best pass rushers as a tackle. He's gone against some very good defensive tackles playing as a guard position. He's more experienced and he's more comfortable now. And I think that he's going to be a pretty solid addition for you guys down there in Carolina. Good stuff. Glad to glad to get your take on Schofield there. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, thank you so much. And, you know, Bill, I love this conversation. I look forward to having this conversation once again, once the season approaches. We're going to find out the NFL schedule this Friday. It's going to be out. We're going to know when we're exactly playing. So, you know, the storylines that, you know, are going to form throughout the season once it happens, it's going to be very interesting having this conversation again leading up to this matchup. And, and I'm excited for it. But the Broncos are going to have to be road warriors. They're going to have to go to Carolina this year, and they're going to have to play, you know, a team, in my opinion. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, people should sleep on the Panthers. So it's going to be very exciting. And, Bill, thank you so much for jumping on here. we got an AFC West, NFC South crossover continuation here today. Broncos and Panthers. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again to Cody Rourke for taking time to do this crossover with me. It was a lot of fun talking with him, and hope you guys enjoyed the crossover as well. Reminder, tomorrow it is myself and Ryan Tracy as we preview the Panthers at the Chiefs at Arrowhead. So look forward to that tomorrow. And again, shout out to our friends over at Built Bar for their continued support. And again, a reminder, 10% off your first, or $10 off your first box uh, when you use the promo code Locked On. So again, just go to BuiltBar.com. Check out all the amazing flavors they have. Uh, white chocolate is coming out soon. Uh, so a lot of great stuff, and again, less calories, uh, less sugars, a lot of protein, and great-tasting chocolate bar. So BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on gets you $10 off your first order and your first box. So with that, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks so much, as always, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow when we talk Panthers and Chiefs with Ryan Tracy. Until then, take care, everybody, and we will see you soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.